0: Yes, we are back. It is the Chief Zone. I am Farzine Vasugi, and Thank you for downloading and listening to this edition of the Chief Zone. Hope you guys enjoyed a little bit of a break from the podcast. I certainly did uh, because there was a baseball team in town that did capture the World Series. Yes, no more having to pre-record these podcasts. and wonder if I was right or not on the call and if the part uh, pardon me, the Royals captured the title of uh, the World Series. But they did it. Uh, really just an incredible week for the Kansas City Royals last week. Uh, just the amount of people that went out to downtown Kansas City and the exuberance here in Kansas City. And I I want to touch on this for just one moment. Not necessarily the Royals, because I know there are some of you who are not necessarily from Kansas City, you know, maybe, or maybe you are from Kansas City, and you're not even a Royals fan, you're just a Chiefs fan, and I understand. But I think even if you're not a Royals fan and just a Chiefs fan, whether you are from Kansas City or you don't live in Kansas City right now, I think even the Chiefs fans that are not Royals fans, I think even those people can appreciate what the Royals did to help rejuvenate professional sports here. And with all due respect to Sporting Kansas City and the Wizards, because the Wizards did win an MLS Cup in 2000, if I'm not mistaken, and they won another one a couple of years ago under a different name, Sporting KC. But the thing is, people are not going to take off. There's not going to be 800,000 people at a parade for for a soccer team. And look, I love the sport of soccer. I know people here in Kansas City love sporting Kansas City. But sporting KC winning the MLS Cup and the Royals winning the World Series are two different things. They really are two different animals, really. You can't compare the two championships. And again, I love that Kansas City is starting to become... A title town. We had the MLS Cup a couple of years ago. The World Series is now here in Kansas City. Going to defend it in 2016. The Chiefs are on the clock now. And hopefully soon. This franchise can bring a Super Bowl back to Kansas City. It's only happened once. And think of all the people who thought that they would never see... A Royals championship ever again a lot of people have thought that way about the Chiefs and hopefully that changes soon because seeing look I still believe deep down inside that this is still a football town I know right now it's all baseball people are more interested in Royals offseason news than the Chiefs regular season and I get it that's how sports work sometimes if you don't have a good professional football team but your professional baseball team is doing well then that's that's how it works. And hopefully the Chiefs can turn around and join sporting in the Royals in being that team that's turning into a winning franchise. The Royals are the most dominant team in baseball, winning the World Series this year and playing last year falling just 90 feet short of tying it in Game 7. But here's the thing I I want to say. I still believe this is a football town. And I think it's awesome. 800,000 reportedly at Kansas City. Hey, it could have been even more. Who knows? People leaving their cars on the highways, on the streets, on the grass. But the thing about Kansas City is, if a Super Bowl was brought back to Kansas City, and I'm not talking about a game. I'm talking about that Vince Lombardi trophy brought back to Kansas City, there will be 1 million people Downtown, I still believe if it listen, look what happened a few, couple of years ago when the Chiefs went from being 2 and 14, the worst foot football team in the NFL, to going 9 and 0, oh, being the last team to lose a football game in 2013. And look, I know the second half of that season didn't go so well for the Chiefs, but you all remember that 9 and 0 oh start, just how crazy. Everyone went for the Chiefs. I I still remember, I've said this a couple times on the podcast, I still remember seeing news reports out there uh, by the local media about how everyone, all the sports bars, they're back in business. They're actually packed on Sundays. Uh, So many fans just into it. Arrowhead Stadium is packed. There are parking issues after games, but that's okay because it's worth it when the Chiefs win the way they did going 9-0. I mean, that was a hell of a run. And that really did bring football back to Kansas City. Especially after everything the Chiefs went through a year ago. And it proved to people that franchises can turn around overnight. Literally not overnight, more like within a year. And look, it took the Royals some time. But three years ago, the Royals were still in the bottom of the league. Three years later, now they're sitting on top of the MLB. Champions, crowned. I really hope that this city, this Chiefs team, can bring a Super Bowl here. Because this city will erupt for a Super Bowl victory. Look, the Super Bowl is the show. It's the most watched show. I mean, every single year, there are cable, uh, pardon not cable, television records uh, coming out. Super Bowl each year, more and more people are watching. Of course, MASH at one point had the record for most watched television event and now that's changed to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the show. So if your team, your city wins the Super Bowl, trust me, there there will be more than 800,000 people at downtown Kansas City surrounding Power and Light, the Sprint Center, Union Station, you name it. Those places over there in the area, it, it'll it'll be jam-packed. And there were a couple of glitches, uh, some things that could have gone better. Look, it's the first time. The, the people who ran the event for the Royals Parade, there, it wasn't the same people who ran it 30 years ago. These are probably different people. Uh, so it was the first time for these people. Hopefully they figure it out because I know there will be at least a million people at that Roy, uh, Chiefs Parade. Pardon me. I really hope it happens because seeing how the Royals did it in a special moment and big ups to the Royals, it was special to see. It was special to watch. If the Chiefs do that, oh boy. Look, football takes prominence. It's the most prominent sport we have in America. If they bring a Super Bowl championship back to Kansas City, you better believe that every single person in this town will fight tooth and nail. They'll lie to their bosses to take off whatever day the parade is. There were some people... that By the way, if you were that person that didn't let your workers to go off that day, oh boy, you're not a cool boss. <laughs> you Vesugian here on the Chiefs Zone. Uh, look, I, I didn't mean to go on so long about that, but this is a special moment for Kansas City. And if a Super Bowl comes back, a Super Bowl championship, it, it'll be huge. And, and I know Kansas City will rise, and Kansas City will never sleep. Just like right now with the World Series celebration. But a Super Bowl celebration, that, uh, that'll that be 10 tons Higher in excitement and c- c- celebratory events, you name it. Farzim Vasugin here on the Chiefs. On, thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast. I meant to do uh, two podcasts this week, but I've had a crazy week, so we're doing one jumbo podcast here. So it's going to be a long podcast here on the Chiefs. On a lot I want to touch on. Uh, obviously, we're going to touch on the Chiefs, the second half of the season coming off a bye week, getting ready for a big Broncos game. Uh, though, Akib Talib. Former Kansas Jayhawk cornerback standout and uh, right now a big guy for the Denver Broncos will not play this week. Uh, of course, uh, involved eye-gouging Dwayne Allen and then appealing, trying to say it was an accident that he doesn't play football to poke people in the eye, didn't seem to go his way in the appeal process. So the NFL stands by its decision to suspend Aqib Talib. He will be suspended and will not play against the Chiefs. We'll get into that in our preview segment here on the Chiefs. So that is a huge victory for the Chiefs. And look, I know what a lot of people are saying it's just one player. But you never know. And I'm going to get into this later because the AFC right now is by far the craziest conference we've had in football since 2002. And I think week 17 of the 2015 season, which it'll actually be 2016, but you get the idea. Week 17 of this season for the AFC... I think will be a lot crazier than how the 2002 season ended when almost every single team, with the exception of two or three in the AFC, were fighting for a playoff spot. If you were already in the playoffs, you were fighting to get a number one seed or try to win a division that year in Week 17. So this AFC is wide open. Kansas City is still in it. San Diego and Cleveland, the the two worst teams... Right now in the AFC, still have a fighting shot at a wild card spot. So much to, to talk about. I want to get into the AFC playoff picture before we preview the Chiefs and Broncos. But real quickly, two topics I want to touch on: one local story that's got national attention, and then a national story with uh, the NFL. And I-, I won't, I won't spend too much time on these issues, but. A lot of you guys listening are Missouri Tigers fans, and you already know where this topic is going, with the issue of racism at the University of Missouri, allegedly, uh, and that led to, uh, here's the reason why this is a story, and why I take such big issue with this. Now whether or not there is racism on campus, there, there, there are reports of what's happened out there, here's the thing. Racism is everywhere. It's not just at the University of Missouri. Think about the University of Kansas. UMKC, Kansas State University. How much racism do you think occurs at those campuses? Probably a lot. But the thing about the University of Missouri, I guess it just got so rampant. Racism, that is. Somebody had to do something. A grad student went on a hunger strike. Other African-American students followed suit and wanted to protest. And President Wolf, Tim Wolf, the the president at the University, I guess now the ex president, he was aware of this. Students had approached him about this, and there was no state. No one knew about this. There wasn't even a news story on this. And then all of a sudden, the African American players for the Mizzou football team they boycott practices in perhaps could have been games in which. They refused to participate until President Wolf resigned. Two days later, President Wolf resigns. President Wolf released his statement the day before. Why? Because the football players boycotted practice. ESPN picked up on this and ESPN said, hmm, why is this happening? They get the story. Then the non sports media, they know it's a non sports issue, so they pick up on that. Now all of a sudden, Mizzou is under a lot of scrutiny. And look, I'm not talking about the university, the students. I'm talking about the administration because the administration didn't say a single word about this until the football players did something about it. This Mizzou racism story, it's a new story right now because of the football team. And look, what I said earlier about the Chiefs possibly winning a Super Bowl, football is prominent in our country. And now you look at what the football team... Look, I'll say that sports is also prominent too. I think sports does bring us together. Look at the Royals. Whether you're a KU fan, MU fan, whether you're different than the person next to you politically, your neighbor, uh, your race, whatever it is, people in Kansas City came together because of the Royals. I think sports can really bring a community together. And look at what the football team did. Gary Pinkle standing behind his players... Absolutely love that. I love seeing that from Gary Pingle. Seeing that he is standing by his players, supporting the the incident. And look, that's his boss, one of his bosses, right there. That he is basically speaking against. He's defending his players who are against him. And I've got to give props. Not many people at Gary Pingle's position would do that. And for Mizzou to not even say anything until the word got out, that's disgraceful. That's disgraceful. You do not wait until the national media harps on you for allowing racism. You, When there is racism, and if it's growing, and if students are approaching you about it, you need to do something about it right away. You need to act upon it soon. That's why Wolf resigned. If there is an incident in the Chiefs locker room, and Andy Reid doesn't do anything about it, and if it continues, continues, and continues, look John Dorsey and Clark Hunt are going to have a chat with, with Andy Reid and say, hey, what's going on? You know about this. Why aren't you doing anything about this? And that could result in a termination. So, for, for Wolf to, for, for those standing by Wolf, why? He knew about the racism. He didn't want to do anything about it. He hid behind closed doors until the word got out and he knew there was no way escaping this one. So, what did he do? He resigned. Now, as a journalist, as someone who graduated from KU with a journalism degree, this story took a strange turn, one that grabbed my attention. A photographer who freelanced for ESPN and is a student at Mizzou, He, he works for the student newspaper as a photographer, he was there trying to capture photos. And I guess some students put signs saying no media on public ground, just for the record guys, if you are in a public place, let's say let's say you're at Power and Light downtown Kansas City. That is a public place. And the media has access as they did during the World Series games and during the celebration they they have cameras they're shooting fans. If you are at the parade, you cannot say don't take my picture. Don't take a video of me. Because if you're at that parade, the media wants to take video of that. And I guarantee you, there are a lot of people who don't know these rules. The paparazzi in L.A., they know the rules so well because they have to get every single shot of Justin Bieber whatever the hell he does. But they also have to be cautious about how they go about it. They know what's public space and what's private space. And look, journalists all over, whether you're the paparazzi in L.A. or not, you know... What the rules are because you've gone through it, you, you, you've experienced it, you, you've gone over it with your bosses, you, you learned about the stuff in college. And this student who went there tried to get photos and was blocked by students and even faculty members, two faculty members, one by the way who works under the journalism department as a communications professor didn't seem to know the rules. Which is funny because Mizzou is considered a top journalism country, yet there's someone from the journalism department, a faculty member, who doesn't know the rules. Basically, he's telling the media that they need to get out. That's public property right there on campus. If someone wanted to protest on a college campus, they're allowed to. I I saw when I was a KU student. and uh, Look, they're allowed to, unfortunately. And I will say, props to Mizzou students, there haven't been any violent protests, and with what we've seen before with Ferguson, and again, I'm sure a lot of people who are from Kansas City live in that area, in, in the St. Louis area, close to where Ferguson is, and probably experienced this, maybe saw some of the things in person. Props to the students for for keeping everything peaceful because that's how you've got to do things like this if you want to get the word out if you want to voice your opinions. But as far as that communications professor, just the way that how unprofessional they were, and by the way, the photographer kept us cool. I've got to give props to the photographer keeping us cool on that one because that's not easy to do. I will say the 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 two faculty members who really made fools of themselves. Uh, one of one is a PR lady for Greek life at Mizzou, and the other one is, like I mentioned, a communications professor. Both release apology statements, which I don't buy at all. Uh, I, I absolutely laugh at public apologies because the only reason they release a formal statement apologizing uh, is because they were caught. Remember Britt McHenry. The ESPN reporter who made really nasty comments to a lady when she was trying to get her vehicle back because it was towed away, and the comments she made about a woman's public appearance or physical appearance, she only apologized because she had to, because she was caught on camera. Those two women, the faculty members at Mizzou, the only reason they apologized because they were caught. And there are articles about them, full name, with their social media accounts made public in those articles. Listen, when I'm out in public, whether it's at a grocery store or at anywhere in public, there are cameras everywhere. So if I do something incorrect, I've got to apologize right away. Not because the camera caught me and it's all over the news. And I hope that's how you people live your lives. Because... I've just learned throughout life that it does take a big person to admit that they were wrong. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way, but that's how it is. And the turn that this Mizzou thing has taken—it's unfortunate. Now there was a threat at that at the campus made by somebody. Thankfully, they are detained, and uh, you know, poli- police is taking care of that. But listen to the original story of racism at Mizzou. It's everywhere. For Mizzou, they're getting notice about it. I guarantee you, the same thing could happen at KU. I'm sure there are... Look at the OU fraternity. They're on the bus singing racist songs, and next thing you know, they're caught, and all all of a sudden... uh, By the way, I give props to the OU. I don't know if it was the president or the chancellor, but someone from OU's front office... Immediately released a statement calling out that fraternity. That person, again, I don't know if it was a president or who, that person didn't wait for the national media to pick up. Well, the national media did pick up on this right away, but as soon as it got out there, oh, you released a statement calling out that fraternity, basically throwing them under the bus, and rightfully so. Because a lot of times in PR situations, they would try to mask that, shield it, try to make it, try to sugarcoat it, basically. And look, if you work in PR, I give props to you. But I absolutely could never work in PR. Because people in PR have to sugarcoat. They have to hide a lot of things. They have to basically pretend that the issue does not exist. And I give props to the OU president. Again, whoever it was. Who made that statement last year when the racist comments were made. And caught on video by some OU students at a fraternity. But in terms of racism, bullying, sexist comments, just discrimination overall as a whole, that happens everywhere. It's not just the University of Missouri. It happens at KU. It happens at KC. It happens at UMKC. It happens at the local community colleges we have here. It happens at Syracuse, UCLA, Texas. You name it. And unfortunately, we're never going to reach a point where discrimination is going to be at 0%. The, I mean, that's like saying... You know, texting and driving is going to be at 0%. That 0% of the population texts and drives. That 0% of the population drives under the influence. Unfortunately, those things will never change. But if I can say anything on this platform that I have, on this podcast, reaching out to people, I mean, dude, you never know. One person can make a change or at least create a domino effect. And for whatever reason, if you have such a big issue with people that are not the same as you, race, sex, whatever. Why make a big deal of it? Why put someone down that's that's different than you? I mean, look at the Kansas City Royals. If we want to talk about a community that came together, the Kansas City Royals team, that's a pretty diverse locker room. I don't think every single Royals player is a white male born in the United States. I mean, look at the World Series MVP, Salvi Perez. The entire locker room for the Royals. Same thing for the Chiefs. Same thing for sporting. Look at the Mizzou football team. Obviously, not every single player from Missouri is a white male living in the U.S. So if I can urge anything on this podcast... Just be open minded and accepting of others. Hey, you you never know. Just the relationships, the friendships you can make from meeting different people from different walks of life. The reason I I don't want to go so much on a reality TV tangent, but the reason I'm such a big Survivor fan and and a Big Brother fan as well is seeing some of those contestants. and, And CBS does a good job of picking people who are diverse. I mean, they always have to have a a gay guy on there and a lesbian and a black guy and an Asian guy. And then of course, a majority of the contestants are going to be white males and females, but they try to be diverse as well. Trying to add different races, just people from different walks of life. And the reason I like survivors so much is because so many of those contestants, whether they're different, you know, gender race, whatever the case may be. Sometimes in a game like that, you have to work together. And I remember a couple of years ago, there was a, an Asian contestant and a, a contestant with a New Jersey accent, a police officer, and a, uh, an Asian contestant who's a martial artist. They came together and they swept the competition, made it to the final two together. And for those of you wondering who, I'm refri- who are Survivor fans, you might know the reference. I'm referring to Tony and Wu, uh, who played together. By the way, uh, that has to be the best name ever, Wu. For a Survivor contestant. Which I know he played again and got eliminated recently. But again, I I promise I wouldn't go too much into it. But it was nice to see people of different walks of life. Work together in that situation that they're thrown into on an island. And show that, look, you don't have to be the same. Yeah, You don't have to have the same background, basically. You know, I've dealt with racism. We all have. In some way. We've all dealt with discrimination in some way. So, you guys know my take on it. Uh, Just be open-minded. One last comment before we get to the AFC playoff picture and the Chiefs and Broncos preview here on the Chiefs Zone podcast. Real quickly, I I want to touch on this Greg Hardy issue, and I won't go too much into it because I do want to get into the Kansas City Chiefs. And I did say that this would be a long podcast, but I don't want to make it longer than uh, some of you guys might think it will be. But with Greg Hardy, he is taking a lot of flack, and rightfully so, with the photos that were recently released of his ex-girlfriend and the bruises she took from the beating. And I have to say, I really throw the NFLPA under the bus because those guys defended Greg Hardy. They tried to reduce his 10-game suspension, which they successfully did, to a 4-game suspension. And I look at the NFLPA. Look, unfortunately, there are people like Greg Hardy out there. Now, because Greg Hardy is in the NFL, he gets a compact punishment. He doesn't have to face all those crimes that... An average person would take if they did the exact same thing as Greg Hardy. Now, I will say this I have to accuse the NFLPA of basically protecting domestic violence because they went out there, they went to bat for Greg Hardy. They fought tooth and nail to make sure Greg Hardy, who abused a woman, they tried to re- reduce his suspension which they did, congratulations NFLPA, you are supporting domestic violence. And I'm sick of that. I I, I think that's absolutely disgusting. You cannot tell me that you don't think that about the NFLPA. And look, I've got to also throw the NFL under the bus because they spent so much time trying to catch Tom Brady guilty for deflating a damn football when really no one no one was hurt no one was physically hurt by this but here's Greg Hardy not even getting half the criticism that Tom Brady's getting and look I was I was happy as hell when I saw the Dallas Cowboys fall. With all due respect to the Dallas Cowboys, the franchise, everyone that's playing for that organization, I know a lot of people are not big fans of Matt Castle, but Matt Castle's a great guy off the field. He really is. And I hate it to have to root against a team like that when when they do have some class-act guys. But, again, I'm not going to dive too much into this. I hope every single person listening has the logic, common knowledge that domestic violence is wrong and that the fact that Greg Hardy is playing... In the NFL, it's wrong. And look, I understand that we were moved by this because of images. We were moved by the Ray Rice incident because we saw the footage of it. That's how we are as humans, okay? When we hear about a shooting on the news, we just hear about it. But if we see it happen in person, it's a different story to us. Because we saw it. We exper- hopefully didn't experience it, but we were, I guess, in the mo- in the area when it happened. And look, I've been fortunate to not be close to anything like that ever. But if you have, you know that hearing about it on the news and actually seeing it happen are two different things. The NFL's got to do something about this because the the NFL has so many issues. And I understand the ex-girlfriend for Greg Hardy did drop the charges. But look, there's so many women out there who are so afraid to speak up. Look at Doriel Graham Beckham, former, former Mizzou wide receiver. I mean he's been involved in domestic violence off the field and the woman who was involved dropped the charges because she was receiving threats reportedly that if you do anything to try and take away Greg Hardy's football career at Missouri we're going to come after you she basically got all the all the pressure to, to be forced to drop the charges unfortunately that happens with women in, in these situations with domestic violence and look it happens with men too let's not get a cross look at hope solo ronnie rousey recently admitted of this unfortunately it is part of our society and it happens often but the nfl that a million billion dollar league the nfl's got to do something about this they cannot have this public image that's all i've got to say all right i'll be back we're going to touch on the afc playoff picture and also preview the chiefs and the broncos right here on the chief zone podcast Back here on the Chief Zone, Farzini Vasugi and thanks again for downloading and listening to this edition of the Chief Zone, a jam-packed edition of the Chief Zone. A lot of some non-Chief stuff that I really wanted to get off my chest, but from here on out, it'll be all NFL and Chiefs talk. And uh, I, well, Greg Hardy was kind of NFL, but I want to talk a little bit more non-Chiefs, but this still affects the Chiefs. This actually affects the Chiefs in a big manner because, and maybe a lot of you were not aware of this because maybe you just watched the Chiefs. Maybe the only NFL commitment you had was just watching the Chiefs and not following anything else in matters to the NFL because you were so focused on baseball season, and understandably so. But a lot of people may not know this, but Kansas City's playoff hopes, and look, maybe people checked out and didn't know this, Kansas City's playoff hopes... I mean, there's still a chance. A very good chance. Uh, just two weeks ago, before the Steelers' victory, the Chiefs had a 1.4% chance. I saw online, uh, some odds makers in Vegas gave the Chiefs a 1.4% chance of making the playoffs. The NFL right now, at least in the AFC side of things, it is complete chaos. It is a complete wide open AFC. Now, you do have New England, Cincinnati, and Denver, all who are probably going to win their respective divisions unless those teams just collapse, which is doubtful at this point. The AFC South is completely wide open. The Indianapolis Colts, who had a big win this past week, handing Denver its first loss, which obviously we'll get into in just a moment. But even so, even though... Indianapolis picked up a huge win. They suffered a big loss in that game when Andrew Luck went down with an injury out two to six weeks. Uh, The Colts are saying that realistically it's probably going to be at least a month, so probably four weeks uh, before Andrew Luck even returns to action for the Colts. So the AFC South, which I I know is irrelevant for for Chiefs fans, uh, and I won't get too much into this, but you look at Houston, Jacksonville, and Tennessee, Houston has... Just three wins. And they're half a game behind the Colts in the AFC South. The Jaguars are two games behind the Colts. The Tennessee Titans, two games behind the Colts in the AFC South. So the Indianapolis Colts have... I mean, they're they are in trouble right now. They've got to find a way to get something going. Look, Matt Hasselbeck has been good this year. He's 2-0 for the Colts when he filled in for Andrew Luck earlier in the season. But with Andrew Luck right now... Injured and probably won't come back until, gosh, week sixteen, maybe seventeen. Who knows at this point? For for luck, the Steelers they currently own one of the two wild card spots, and the Steelers just lost Ben Roethlisberger. There they were without Ben Roethlisberger earlier this year due to a knee injury. Right now, Roethlisberger is out with a mid foot sprain, uh, which he could be out one to two weeks for. Uh, by the way, Le'Veon Bell has already lost for the season, so this is a trouble for the Steelers. And it's good for the Chiefs because the Chiefs beat the Steelers a couple of weeks ago, so if the Chiefs and the Steelers are tied somehow in, after Week 17, and both of them trying to fight for a wildcard spot, Kansas City gets the upper hand because of the head-to-head win right there. So Kansas City... Right, and this is why I thought last year was such a blown opportunity to do something special because the Chiefs beat a lot of teams in the AFC to try and get basically get ahead in the wild card picture if they had to, and obviously that that was really the only choice because a lot of people knew Denver was going to win the division, but Kansas City had some big wins against other AFC opponents, and it, it could have boded well for Kansas City. If the Chiefs got one of those two wildcard spots, just fell one game shy of that happening. Now, looking right now at the AFC playoff picture, I mentioned earlier, the Pats, Bengals, and Broncos, uh, 8-0 and or 7-1, and and those three are all going to win their respective divisions. The rest of the AFC, the 13 teams in the AFC, are all within three games of one another. You have the Jets and the Steelers currently as the two wild cards. With the Jets, you, you can't really be too sure. They're great defense, but offensively, how confident are you in that offense? The Steelers, I, I just mentioned they just lost Ben Roethlisberger again for a game or two, and Lavion Bell is out for the season. So you're without a team that, and I said this before with the Steelers, I think they have a great 1-2-3 duo At quarterback, running back, and wide trio—I should say—quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, and Landry Jones. How much faith do you have in him, especially without a running game? Sure, he's got probably uh, a top five wide receiver. Some might even argue a number one uh, wideout in the league, and Antonio Brown. But you can't just rely on Antonio Brown the entire time either. Heath Miller, yes, I think he can do some special things, but. The Steelers are really thin offensively. That defense is not going to be able to hold for a long time. Buffalo and Oakland. And Oakland has been, maybe not to us as Chiefs fans, but if you're a general NFL fan, if you just appreciate the NFL and you don't have a favorite really, Oakland's been a pleasant surprise. And, fun, and look, let me just say this. I hope Oakland does ...turn into a relevant franchise again... ...and I, and I hope the Chiefs can follow suit w- w- with the Raiders... ...because I really want that Raiders and Chiefs rivalry to mean something. It's meant absolutely nothing the past decade. So I'd love to see that Chiefs and Raiders rivalry renewed basically... I- ...in a meaningful way. But I digress. As far as the Raiders go and the Bills... ...they're half a game behind the Wild cards teams right now... ...the Steelers and the Jets. Now right behind Buffalo and Oakland... Is Kansas City, Miami, and Houston? Kansas City and Miami are two games behind the Jets and the Steelers. Houston also two games, but Houston is also half a game behind the Colts. So if you're the Texans, you probably don't care much about the wild card picture. Sure, there's another way of sneaking into the playoffs, but look, the door is wide open to win the AFC South because of Andrew Luck. So. It would be a great time for the Chiefs to be in the AFC. It would be great for any of these 13 teams to be in the AFC South because it's wide open. Anyone could win that. If the Cleveland Browns and the San Diego Chargers, the two worst teams in the AFC right now are 2-7, and seven, if they were in the AFC South, they would only be two games behind the Colts. So this would be a great time to be in the AFC South. My point in all this is, I know a lot of people have checked out, the Chiefs really did get to a lot of us, uh, made us all irate, but because of that five game losing streak, but it's far from over. The second half of the season, and I thought we had a great week nine in the NFL, and it really shaped out uh, with all these injuries, not that we ever root for injuries, well it depends on who you are, some people do root for injuries, but but you get the point. With all the injuries and the, the games and the way that things shaped out, it's going to be a chaotic second half. Of the season in the AFC. Because you have 13 teams. That are within 3 games of one another. The Kansas City Chiefs really in the middle of that pack. A little bit above 2. Uh, at 3 and 5. So the Chiefs. They, they've got an advantage here. If they beat. Or pardon me. They did already beat the Steelers. Now if they beat the Raiders twice. Which I'm not too confident about that. And I know here in Kansas City. And I'm guilty of this. We keep circling the Raiders game twice on the schedule and we keep thinking that's two automatic wins when quite frankly since 2007 the Chiefs have not swept the Raiders with the exception of 2013. So even then when the Raiders were bad, which they're not anymore, they're they're starting to become a relevant franchise, but even then right now you can never underestimate the Raiders, especially now. But if if Kansas City can beat Oakland twice, and try to finish ahead of San Diego by at least trying to beat them twice, maybe splitting that game. I'd rather split with San Diego than split with Oakland, because San Diego, I don't think is going to be able to make it uh, into the playoff picture, and look, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers have proven to make a surge in December, so... Uh, the Chargers, are. if you want to put your money on the Chargers, good for you, because the Chargers have proven it a couple of times uh, in recent history. So the Chargers, uh, they're, they're not a team that uh, that we should completely put away. This year, though, they just don't look like a great football team. They, they're not showing any signs of, of coming together anytime soon. Uh, so I, I'd rather split with San Diego than split with Oakland, because if you split with Oakland, then you might be in trouble if the Chiefs and the Raiders are tied for the number five or number six spot, and or well, I guess the number six spot. If you're if you're tied for number five, then the other could get the number six seed. Uh, but if you're tied for sixth, it could go to Oakland based on division record, uh, common opponents, uh, and a few other factors that'll that'll go in there. So it'd be better to sweep Oakland rather. Uh, Obviously, you want to sweep everybody with the remaining schedule. But for the Chiefs, the door's wide open. And looking at the Chiefs' schedule, you've got Denver this week, which you've got to go out there and take care of business and try to beat the Broncos on the road. But after that, it's a pretty easy schedule. Nothing that really comes out to you Scares you with the re- remaining schedule. You've got the San Diego Chargers in Week Eleven, which I, I, I'm noticing, and I don't, I don't have the answer to this right now. Uh, but I'm, no, I'm looking at the Chiefs website for the schedule that was supposed to be a Sunday Night Football game on NBC, but it seems to have flexed out already. And, and look, I'm not going to blame the NFL for that because you've got a, a, a two win team and a three win team right now. So uh, I guess it was going to be a Sunday Night Football game, and they, they must have taken it out already. Uh, but right now. You know, who cares at this point? Well, the Chiefs have had uh, a couple of primetime games in which they they laid an egg. Uh, looked really bad against Denver late in the game, and then the Green Bay game, we, we don't even want to get into that. So uh, might as well play the non-primetime games because the Chiefs seem to be doing a little bit better in those games than they have uh, on primetime. But regardless whether it's national or not, uh, the Chiefs are going to play the Chargers uh, on th- uh, on CBS, and uh, the game's been moved to 3.05 uh, Central Standard Time. So the Chiefs, again, an opportunity to to win on the road against a Chargers team that's not very good, who the Chiefs swept last season. You return home, you play the Bills. Now, the Bills have been quite interesting this year. Of course, you have Tyrod Taylor taking the, the reins, uh, beating out EJ Manuel and Matt Castle at the beginning of the season. So, uh. The, the Bills, at this point, it's really unpredictable. We'll probably know more uh, when November 29th comes closer to, to that game. December 6th, you've got the Raiders on the road. That one, uh, not too sure about that one, especially with how Kansas City has played uh, with the Raiders the past few years, uh, usually splitting for the most part. December 13th, the Chiefs and the Chargers play, this time at Arrowhead Stadium. You've got the Ravens. Uh, On December uh, 20th, uh, week 15, that's the last road game for the Chiefs in the regular season. Then you finish at home playing the Browns and the Raiders. So if if I can provide any optimism right now, there's a lot to feel good about when you look at the schedule and you look at who the Chiefs are playing. After the Denver game, the best team the Chiefs are playing are the Raiders, twice. And look, it's a good thing that you still have the Raiders twice on your schedule because two wins over the Raiders really will propel the Chiefs in the AFC. And by the way, I didn't realize this until now. The Chiefs have played all of the NFC North teams. So the rest of the remaining teams right now are AFC teams. Now, of course, it'd be joyous if the Chiefs went 8-0 to finish off the season, but we all know that's not a realistic possibility. However, you look at the fact that you do face AFC teams. You've got the Broncos, which Denver at this point, they're going to run away with the AFC West. But you do have the San Diego Chargers twice, trying to fight for a wild card spot. The Oakland Raiders twice, again, trying to fight for a wild card spot. The Buffalo Bills, again, as I mentioned earlier, just half a game behind the Steelers and the Jets. The Baltimore Ravens. Again, Baltimore hasn't been great this year, 2-6, and but just like the rest of the AFC right now, outside of New England, Cincinnati, and Denver, Baltimore is looking at a realistic shot at sneaking into the playoffs. So uh, if you can get wins against the Raiders twice, get one against the Bills and the Ravens, you might be in great position to make it into January. Now, obviously, outside of January 3rd, because the Chiefs do have a regular season game, then all the teams have a regular season game uh, in January, but you could extend your season past January 3rd is what I'm trying to say. You could get into the playoffs. And, again, those games right now are the key the key games. The two Chargers games, the two Raiders games, and I, I, I'd say the Bills game. If you can win those five games right there, the Chiefs do propel to eight wins. Now, I, I don't know if eight wins is going to suffice uh, for wildcard teams. You might need one more. Now, of course, I did not mention the Browns or the Ravens. Uh, now, here's the thing. I, I don't. You can't really expect the Chiefs to win all five because all of these teams remaining in Kansas City's schedule, they're all going to be fighting tooth and nail because they all know the AFC is wide open. The thing about the Chiefs, They've got probably the easiest schedule out of any team in the out of any of the thirteen teams that are in the AFC playoff hunt right now. It is a wild race, and look, they don't call it a wild card race for nothing. But it is going to be chaos in the AFC. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you've tuned out because of the Royals. Welcome back to football season because really this is a brand new ball game and uh, really a, a new window of opportunity for the Chiefs to make up for that five-game losing streak and find some way to sneak into the playoffs. It is doable. Absolutely doable. And look, if you want to make some noise, start doing that this week. The Chiefs do visit the Denver Broncos. 7-1 on the season. Just dropped their first game of the season. And they will be without their leading Player, and in interceptions, and also their leading sacker in Demarcus Ware. Talib, three interceptions on the season, suspended for this game for poking Dwayne Allen in the eye. Dwayne Allen and Von Miller both went at it, and Akib Talib tried to interfere, starts to poke Dwayne Allen in the eye. Very clear evidence. Talib tried to appeal, he lost it. Not only is he suspended, but he also loses a game check. So. Uh, a double whammy for Talib, which sucks because he's a he's an ex Jayhawk. But hey, uh, I mean he's not a Jayhawk anymore. So he's a former Jayhawk. Uh, as far as we're concerned, as far as any KU fans are concerned. So for a Chiefs perspective, that's great. Uh, you definitely want that uh, if you're Kansas City because you could use all the help you could get. With Demarcus wear out, that's another factor that, that that comes into play. So that'll help Kansas City really in, in, in a big manner. Now, you also have to keep in mind that Shane Ray, former Missouri Tiger, could step in in DeMarcus Ware's spot and play opposite of Von Miller. And Von Miller, we all know the history, very short yet tumultuous history between Travis Kelsey and Von Miller. Uh, These two have gone at it uh, each of the last two times. The Broncos and the Chiefs have played each other. So the Chiefs definitely hoping to get on the top end of this and maybe rub it in to Von Miller. I I have absolutely no respect for Von Miller. Just a really dirty player. And this Broncos defense, in my opinion, the best defense in the NFL. Sure, statistically they're the best defense. They're number one in uh, total yards allowed per game and also in total yards and total points per game. So that makes them really the best defense. I've always judged defenses. Sure, you can judge them by yards, but really it's by points. And to see Denver be number one in the NFL in uh, yards allowed and points allowed, that's pretty huge for the Broncos. Now this past week, the Broncos did allow 27 points against the Indianapolis Colts. That's the most... The Broncos have allowed in a game this season. The second most points they allowed in a game this season was in week two, that Thursday night football game against the Chiefs. So if you want any glimpse of hope as to what the Chiefs can do, well, uh, understandably, even though Jamal Charles is out, Sharkhandrick West, he, he, he's been nice to watch. And he's going to have a challenge this week when he faces a very good Denver defense. Uh and look, even against the pass and the run, Denver's still very high up there. Uh, but uh, look, uh, this is an opportunity for Shrek Kendrick West to really show himself. So, if anything, uh, Chiefs fans have to feel good about what they've seen uh, with Shrek Kendrick West, and also a little bit from DeAnthony Thomas coming out of the backfield uh, a few snaps, uh, trying to help fill in for Jamal Charles' absence. So the Chiefs do have some of the key some of the key guys. Uh, stepping up, uh, filling in for Jamal's role, really. Uh, You got a couple guys in the mix there. So right now, if you are the Chiefs' offense, you have to feel pretty good, especially with what the Chiefs did. And and the Chiefs have done a really good job with this, trying to move the football. And lately, they've done a better job of finishing. That was the issue in Week 2 against Denver. The Chiefs didn't win that game because although they moved the ball very well against Denver. They didn't finish when they were in the red zone. They turned the ball over, couldn't finish their great drives with a score of some sort. And that ultimately was the difference maker for the Chiefs. Uh, and then eventually losing it when Jamal Charles fumbled in the end there. So, the, a lot to a lot to take in from that last game. Some good, some bad. Uh, if you can build off some of the good stuff in the Chiefs, and again, I, I realize it's a Steelers team without... Ben Roethlisberger, and a Lions team that's just been horrible this season. But you don't ever apologize for winning. The Chiefs have been on a roll lately, and and if I feel good about anything, even though Denver is very good when it comes to turnovers, the Chiefs have only given away the football eight times, which is tied for third best in the league, whereas the Broncos have given it up 14 times. And Manning has not been great this year either. Now, by the way, the Chiefs and the Broncos both tied 10th in the NFL when it comes to turnover margin at a positive three. So uh, the Chiefs haven't been big on takeaways, whereas Denver has. And then offensively, Alex Smith has done a good job of taking care of the football, one of the best in the NFL in that category. Uh, Peyton Manning usually does the same thing, but this year, as we all know, it's been a completely different Peyton Manning. So for the Chiefs... They've got an opportunity here. This defense has come alive the past couple of weeks, and this defense also looked good against Peyton Manning in Week 2. Nine touchdowns, 13 interceptions, leading the league in interceptions for Peyton Manning. Uh, so you can just tell just how much that defense has really been able to mask that on the stat sheet uh, as a team. But Peyton Manning, I, I mean, he's really been... I, I don't, I don't want to say he's been... A culprit for, for Denver this season, but at some point you know Peyton Manning is going to cost Denver more games. Uh the Colts got off to a 17-0 start. Manning throws an interception. I believe I don't remember if the game was tied or if the Colts were up by three. But either way, in the fourth quarter, when Denver had a chance to take the lead, Manning throws a pick on the first play of the drive, and of course the penalties by Talib and and Danny Trevathan that of course helped the Colts keep the football but right now this is a Broncos team that's not very disciplined not very disciplined so the Chiefs have that going for them as well now I know I've been very optimistic and giving the Chiefs a lot of high hope and praise uh but but we've got to be realistic at, at the same time the the Chiefs like I said, the past couple of weeks have been facing some weak defenses, and, and, and I, I, I take that back. The, the Steelers aren't necessarily a weak defense, but because the Steelers had so many three and outs, that defense really just got worn down, and uh, that allowed the Chiefs to take advantage. So for the Chiefs in this game, what they've got to do is not allow a good Denver team to take control. Now, again, in week two, we saw what they could do, uh, the Chiefs that is, moving the football Is it going to be a different story on the road? I think that's the biggest question mark for me, looking at the Chiefs' offense, trying to move the football. Now, could reality also come back to hit the Chiefs with Denver's pass rush? Uh, We all know how the offensive line played earlier this season, especially against some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Uh, Denver's been really good, so has Cincinnati, and facing Denver again, And again, I understand, I mentioned earlier, DeMarcus Ware, the team's leading sacker, is out. But you still have Von Miller. Uh, Maybe you could double-team him, but you can't forget about Shane Ray, the first-round draft pick. And we all know how good Shane Ray was uh, coming out of Missouri. And a guy who got busted for possession, I believe, possession of marijuana off the field. And a lot of people thought that was going to hurt his draft status. Didn't hurt him too much. Probably could have been a top-ten guy and said just dropped later in the first round. But he is a top-notch guy, at least among the rest of the pass rushers entering the draft. So the Broncos do have another guy that they could use. Kind of like how the Chiefs have had D Ford in their back pocket. The Broncos do have Shane Ray in their back pocket. And now they, they, they've got to use him because DeMarcus Ware is out. A couple other interesting notes. With the Broncos, two fumbles on the season, uh, lost one of them, 14 giveaways total, 13 uh, Peyton Manning interceptions, and then you've got the one fumble there, and again, being uh, 14 giveaways for the Broncos, that's the 12th most in the NFL, whereas the Chiefs have only given away the ball eight times, uh, that's tied for third best in the league. So the Broncos definitely need to find a way to take care of the football because they do have guys that can come away with picks, and we've seen Marcus Peters have a really good rookie season leading the team with three interceptions, probably the best rookie defender uh, this season, and if the season ended today, no doubt he wins the league's Rookie of the Year award, might be really probably the best overall rookie this season. And look, I know the overall the rookie award goes to an offensive guy, but... I think Peters makes a case here as to why he is the best rookie, offensively or defensively, I, out of all of the draft picks, uh, and not just the draft picks. Of course, you have to consider some of the undrafted guys as well. But I think Peters makes a case as to why he's the best rookie this season in the NFL. But as far as Kansas City's pass rush, this is where Kansas City's got to really get some help here. They've got two great outside linebackers. Uh, and, and again, Tom Bahali, who's really stepped up lately, Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, you definitely want those guys to come through in this game. I, I'd say the Chiefs have probably two uh, two of the, if you want to look at the top 10 pass rushers, I think Holly and Houston are included on that list. Holly got off to a very slow start, but he's really come together lately for the Chiefs. Alan Bailey has really been a big pleasant surprise for the Chiefs, as has Jay Howard. Uh, Those two guys have really done a good job filling in for Dontari Poe when uh, having to do so. Of course, Poe had back surgery in the offseason, and uh, the Chiefs have had Bailey and Howard kind of fill in for his role from time to time, uh, moving a little bit around the defensive line, but have been very good. And Mike DeVito's been pretty good as well, coming back after suffering Uh, An Achilles injury in week one of last season against the Titans uh, as a Derek Johnson, too. And and Johnson's been great, too, this year. So has Eric Berry coming back. So the Chiefs have had guys coming back, guys like DeVito, Johnson, Berry. uh, Worth mentioning uh, that as well. But overall, that defensive front for the Chiefs, that front seven, I think is going to be very key if the Chiefs want to make this close. And again, we know the story. Ever since the Broncos acquired Peyton Manning, the Chiefs have not won a single football game. Last time the Chiefs beat the Broncos, it was Peyton—or me, Tim Tebow's last regular season game with the Broncos. Kyle Orton was, by the way, the starter for the Chiefs. Romeo Cornell was the head coach at the time for the Chiefs. Uh, he was actually an interim head coach, not even the full-time head coach at that time. But nonetheless... The, the Chiefs have been so close in so many games against Peyton Manning. There have been a lot of games where Peyton Manning has just played really bad against the Chiefs, but has just snuck away with a win. One of Peyton Manning's best games where he threw for, I think, 500 yards and five touchdowns, one interception against the Chiefs in 2004 on Halloween. That's the only time the Chiefs beat Peyton Manning. So look, maybe Peyton Manning needs to air it out, throw five, six touchdowns. Uh, no, I'm kidding. You, you definitely don't want that because I don't know if the Chiefs can compete with the Broncos in a shootout like that. But seriously, though, you want Denver's defense, or pardon me, Kansas City's defense, to really step up in that manner. Because if you can do that to Peyton Manning, that'll be huge. A lot to think about here. Look at the receivers. Macklin's been playing very well lately. Kelsey's been stepping up a bit, especially since Charles has been hurt and out for the season. And then you got guys like Chris Conley, DeAnthony Thomas, Chuck Hendrick West, Albert Wilson stepping up on, on the offensive side of things. So the Chiefs have been pretty good uh, in having guys step up, filling in for Jamal's role. Not just as a running back, but just trying to have productivity on offense. And the Chiefs have been able to get that lately. From guys like Wilson, Conley, West. And of course you know what you're going to get from Macklin and Kelsey. Those are your key pass catchers for the Chiefs. So you want want that to continue as the season goes along. Who wins this football game? That's the big question mark I'm sure uh, I've got to answer here. And I really, really want to give it to Kansas City. I think Kansas City has what it takes. We saw them do it in week two if they just really finish they win that football game Denver's not undefeated Kansas City might might have not lost confidence and, and could have been one of the teams that lead their division right now I really want to pick Kansas City still I'm so unsure about this but you know what I'll go ahead and do it I'll go and pick Kansas City in this one uh, I, I think this could be one of the big upsets uh, of week 10. I'm not quite sure what the national media thinks about this game. I haven't had much of a chance to look at the, their predictions, but I'll, I'll do that after this. And uh, might feel, I might feel pretty dumb about myself. But look, I, I'm going to make my pick here. I'm going to stand by it. I'm picking the Chiefs to win this game. Uh, I think they've got the ability to do it on defense. I think they can really just crush Peyton Manning in this game. And then when you consider that Tlaib and Ware are out, that, that could be really the biggest difference maker. Being without Talib and where? And again, you do not apologize for injuries in the NFL. You take advantage of it. Injuries are part of sports, unfortunately. And that's what you've got to do. Find a way to take advantage of Denver's absences. So I'm picking the Chiefs in this one. And I think it's going to be fairly low scoring too. I'm going 17-14 Kansas City. I may regret this. I may not, biggest thing to keep in mind, Denver coming off a loss, Kansas City coming off a two-game winning streak and a bye week, Uh, not playing last week, so that really bodes well for the Chiefs in this game. 17-14 KC, that's my prediction, I might be the only one, but hey, I'm not ashamed of it, I'll go with it, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Big thank you for, to you guys for listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone. So please follow me on Twitter at Farzine21, 21. one And uh, give my Facebook page a like at Farzine, well, not at Farzine Vastugian. Just go to Facebook.com slash Farzine Vastugian. You should be able to find it. Like my Facebook page and interact with me on there. Hope to talk to you guys this weekend during a big Chiefs game that could really be a statement game for the Chiefs. Until then, I'll talk to you next week.